0: Well, hello again. I'm Tony Payne. Welcome to another edition of The Painful Truth. And before getting on to this week's topic, another uncommonly good prayer to share with you. A few weeks ago, I wrote about the uncommonly good prayers of the Book of Common Prayer and asked you to write in with some of your favourites, and James did just that. He wrote in with two of his favourite lines from the Book of Common Prayer. He writes as follows. I do quite like the collect for peace, says James. That was one of the prayers that I quoted in that article. And especially the phrase, whose service is perfect freedom. It's a refreshing reminder of how God's call to freedom and our world's modern conception of freedom aren't the same thing. Another favorite prayer is the collect for the 12th Sunday after Trinity, says James. And especially the line, God, who art always more ready to hear than we to pray. What a wonderful reminder and rebuke about our Heavenly Father's willingness to hear from His children. Thanks, James, and couldn't agree more. Uh, Here's the full prayer for the Twelfth Sunday After Trinity that James was quoting from. It goes like this, Almighty and everlasting God, who art always more ready to hear than we are to pray, I not want to give more than either we desire or deserve. Pour down upon us the abundance of thy mercy, forgiving us those things whereof our conscience is afraid and giving us those good things which we are not worthy to ask but for the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord. Amen. It's great stuff, isn't it? Thanks for writing in, James, and for drawing our attention to that prayer. But on to this week's topic, which is about the fire of gospel clarity. Now, there are many possible reasons for a lack of vitality in a church, a lack of growth, a lack of health, which of course gives plenty of scope for experts to provide solutions. It could be your structures or your programs or the staffing mix or your welcoming or the quality of the preaching or a lack of discipline and organisation, or prayerlessness, or who knows what combination of these things and many others. Plus there's the small matter of God's sovereign hand. But being a supposed expert myself, on the basis of having written a little book with Cole Marshall a few years ago about chalices and vines, I've got another factor to throw into the mix. It may sound ridiculous, but one simple reason that many churches and ministries languish is that they don't teach the gospel with clarity. Well, of course, I hear you say, those liberal and heretical and other sub-orthodox kinds of churches that don't preach the gospel, of course, they're declining and dying because they don't teach the gospel, and that's true enough. But I'm not really talking about those kinds of churches. I'm talking about good, solid, Bible-teaching evangelical churches. Quite possibly your church. Really? You respond. That's a bit hard to believe. I mean, every second sermon at our church mentions that Jesus died for our sins and that justification is by faith alone and that salvation comes from God's free grace, not our works. We sing about all this. We remember it in the Lord's Supper Surely if there's one thing we all know back to front, it's that gospel. Well, like I said, a lack of gospel clarity. Because it's certainly true and of prime importance that Jesus died a substitutionary death for our sins and that forgiveness and salvation and justification flow directly from that fount of every blessing. But to know these truths well is not yet to know the gospel with clarity. Not the New Testament gospel anyway. The big newsflash announcement or gospel of the New Testament is not that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. It's that the Jesus who died on the cross for your sins rose again as the Lord and Christ of all the world and now offers forgiveness and salvation and eternal life to all, to everyone who repents and submits to his rule, to his lordship in faith. That's the gospel that the apostles went around proclaiming, and you can have a read of the book of Acts and and see that for yourself. Their big announcement was that the crucified Jesus had been raised by God and thus proven and declared to be the Christ That is, God's promised worldwide ruler and judge in the line of David, whom death could not defeat and who would reign forever over God's kingdom. Whenever we see the title Christ in the New Testament given to Jesus, especially given to him in the gospel, in the apostolic proclamation, that's what's being claimed about him, that he's the worldwide risen ruler. And so their gospel, therefore, was not simply Jesus crucified, but Jesus Christ and him crucified, as it says in 1 Corinthians 2. The one who was crucified has now risen as God's worldwide king and judge, as the Christ. And he now calls on everyone and offers to everyone the opportunity of repentance and forgiveness of sins on the basis of his wonderful atoning substitutionary death. Now, would you say that the members of your church have this understanding of the gospel clearly in their heads, that they could explain to you without hesitation and clearly how the death of Jesus for sins and the resurrection of Jesus as the Lord Christ fit together and how this gospel calls not just for faith but for repentance leading to the obedience of faith. Now in my fairly long and wide experience of church life and ministry in evangelical churches in Australia and in the US, I would say that disturbingly few everyday Christians grasp these truths with clarity. Whenever I run Two Ways to Live style training or workshops of this nature and ask people at the beginning to tell me what their existing nutshell gospel is, it's interesting how rarely it mentions the resurrection. And if it does... It's with a thin understanding of the significance of the resurrection in establishing Jesus as the living Lord and Christ of the world. Now, we need to teach our people this gospel, the gospel of the crucified and risen Jesus the Christ. And we need to do so clearly. We need to teach it and remind them of it Because as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, this scripture-fulfilling message about the atoning death and resurrection of the Christ is the word of first importance, as he calls it. It's the gospel that had been passed on to him and that he had preached to the Corinthians. It's the word in which we stand, he says, and by which we're being saved. It's the basis of everything. When we grasp this gospel clearly, and it penetrates our hearts and wills and lives, the effects are life-changing. Because this is a gospel that has the power to save and to transform. Because it speaks not just of our past being forgiven through the atoning death of Jesus, but also of a new, joyous, constantly repentant future life. A life we live now under the lordship of the living, ruling Jesus Christ. And so this gospel drives us to pursue holiness. We now live a completely new life under the lordship of the risen Christ. We're now raised with him. And so we put off everything that belongs to our old earthly selves. And we put on the new life of the age of resurrection. The new life of the one in whose image we're being transformed. That's in Colossians 3. And it's a gospel that gives assurance and hope because we know that the one who died to justify us by his blood now lives and reigns as God's Christ and will surely save us from God's wrath on that last day because he is alive. That's the argument of Romans 5, 6 to 11. And this is a gospel that also motivates and drives evangelism and mission. Because if the risen Christ, the risen Jesus Christ, is the Lord and Judge and Savior of every person in the world, then every person in the world needs to hear his offer of salvation and turn back to him in repentance and faith to live under his lordship. And this gospel also changes our hearts to serve one another gladly in love it brings us into fellowship and communion with all those others who've been saved by the living Jesus Christ and now serve and obey him. Our new life in him is one that follows his example, that lays down its life for others, knowing that this is the path to life and glory. The gospel of the crucified and risen Christ lights a fire under the Christian life. It ignites and fans into flame the various marks of a flourishing Christian disciple and of a healthy church, that we grow in godliness and holiness, that we persevere in joy and assurance, that we're driven to reach out to the world in mission and evangelism, and that we love and serve one another and all people gladly as God has served us in his Son. Could it be true, I wonder? Could the significant factor in the lack of spiritual heat in our lives and churches, be a lack of clarity about this gospel. I suspect it may be so. It seems beyond obvious to me that we should be clearly and intentionally teaching this New Testament gospel to everyone in our churches, to be making sure that this gospel is clearly lodged in minds and hearts, that it's understood and grasped and trusted. Now, I'm not saying this, I should add, because I've recently written a resource to help churches do just that, to teach people the gospel. It's the other way around. I wrote that resource. It's called Learn the Gospel, and I'm very excited about its potential because I'm convinced of the power of the gospel in all its clarity to penetrate and change and save human hearts and to bring life and vitality not only to our Christian lives, but to our churches as well. But in whatever way we do this, in whatever way we teach the gospel with clarity, whether it's through sermons or seminars or weekend conferences, through books or small group materials or training resources, we need to teach this powerful New Testament gospel with depth and with clarity. Well, like me, I know quite a number of you who've been waiting patiently for the release of that new Two Ways to Live based material. The Learn the Gospel material. I've mentioned it often over the past 18 months or so and even shared some early drafts of that material with you. Well, it's now tantalisingly close. The books have been printed and uh, on their way back on the high seas, being shipped to Matthias Media. The videos are done, I understand. are just undergoing final checks. As of this moment, I don't have a definitive release date or availability date. I know it will be soon, and as soon as I know, I'll let you know as well. You can go across to Matthias Media and pre-order. It's available for pre-ordering. Just go to MatthiasMedia.com.au and search for Learn the Gospel. I guess I'm quite excited to see it finally coming to fruition, not just for the natural reasons. It's it's always nice to see a long-running project approaching the finishing line. But because of what we've explored in today's episode the more clearly and deeply the gospel itself is lodged in our hearts and in the hearts of people that we're ministering to, the healthier and more productive is our discipleship and our church life. And I'm praying that God will use this new resource in his kindness and his providence to help with just that. One final thing before I sign off for this week. As many of you know, I used to work for the Centre for Christian Living at Moore College and I'm still a very keen supporter of their work. And in fact, I'm speaking at the next Centre for Christian Living event on August the 24th. They're running a series that sort of bounces off the Sermon on the Mount and on different aspects of the ethics of the Sermon on the Mount. And the particular topic I'll be speaking on is deception, uh, particularly bouncing off that section in Matthew 5 about oaths and our words and our integrity. If you'd like to come along in person, you can come along to Moore College and listen to the lecture and ask questions and be part of the conversation there on August the 24th. Or you can sign in and register via live stream if getting to Newtown and Sydney is, is not easy for you. And if you just go across to ccl.moore.edu.au, that's ccl, Centre for Christian Living, dot .moore, M-O-R-E, dot .edu.au, you can see all the details and register online, whether to come in person or whether to take part in the live stream. I hope you enjoy that. Well, thanks once again for being here this week. As always, I'd be interested in your feedback on today's post or on any other questions about ministry and the Christian life that you'd like to pose. You can get in touch with me at tonyjpain at me.com or by heading across to the Painful Truth website, thepainfultruth.online, and just making your comment underneath this week's post. Well, great to be with you once again. I'm Tony Payne. Bye for now.